Hello and welcome to Beyond the Page, a Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with Helen Smallbone. Uh, now, you may not immediately recognize that name unless you are deep into the Christian music uh, mm-hmm. industry, uh, but you might recognize the names of some of her children, Joel and Luke from King and Country and Rebecca St. James. Uh, she's just released a memoir called Behind the Lights, The Extraordinary Adventure of a Mom and Her Family. Here's the book right here. Uh, it actually releases today, uh, April 12th. Uh, so when you're listening to this, it'll probably be a few days from now. Um, so you'll have seen the book out and about. Uh, Helen, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Josh, for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, now, this is sort of your memoir. It's your story from all the way back, starting in with your younger years in Australia, how you moved to the uh-huh. States, all the way up through your current ministry and, and work. Um but just to begin, if you can just sort of compress that into just a couple of minutes and, and let the readers know, listeners know what they can expect when they read this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book is really a little bit of um, a life story. It, we've been given a fairly dramatic life story. My husband and I um, left Australia in 1991 with six kids, 16 suitcases and me pregnant with number seven. Um, after a business reversal back in Australia, we actually lost a quarter of a million dollars on a tour that David was promoting. And we knew that life was never going to be quite the same. We came here, he uh, was 42 um, and uh, knew that this was a new start. Basically was here for two months, lost his job. So we were then uh, really, we had no nest egg to fall back on because we had lost everything back in Australia. Coming here to start afresh, and then he lost his job. So really, we were, had nowhere to turn but to sort of bunker down with each other and then to pray. And it was really through prayer that we saw God take us step by step and lead us into some new ways. David did pick up a job a couple of months after. And then uh, we lived pretty hand to mouth for the ensuing couple of years. Uh, we learned to work together in those early days. We learned to do all the jobs that Um, People don't really love to do rake leaves, mow lawns, babysit, uh, clean houses. uh, And it was really the kids working, uh, particularly our oldest two, Rebecca and Daniel, working um, that helped put food on the table, as well as we saw God provide. We got given a car. We got help uh, with paying some of the bills for our daughter to be born. Um, We were given groceries uh, by friends, uh, people who knew us in the neighbourhood, And so we just saw God really care for us. And then later from that, uh, we ended up working together um, or the kids ended up working as Rebecca's crew um, during her time uh, as Rebecca St. James. And then from that, uh, the boys uh, uh, sort of emerged as her support acts as well as her background vocalists. And then uh, eventually uh, God gave them their own career. So it's really following the gamut Back in Australia, our normal life there, losing everything, dramatic life change, and then God slowly being faithful and giving us everything back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's let's start not really at the beginning, but let's at least start in Australia. Uh, uh-huh. You met your you met your husband David. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how the two of you met, and uh, when you knew this was the guy that you're going to be with for the rest of your life. Um, I'm actually a pastor's kid. So um, we, uh, my dad was a pastor at a suburb of, on the north side of Sydney. 
and uh, we had a whole historic church. Um, and so we, um, I was at the Sunday night service, David had driven by this church a fair amount. He was actually from Brisbane. Um, moved to Sydney with his job and then he would drive by this church and think I've got to go in there one day and so one night he did come in he sat behind my mum my brother and sister-in-law and me and my mum being the pastor's wife made sure she met everybody who was new so she went up and said hello then she came back and told me there's this nice young man over there maybe I should go meet him at the coffee hour after church and by that point, because we lived next door, I'd gotten changed. I was in my pajamas and then I was like, oh, well, whatever, I may as well get dressed. For whatever random reason, I decided that I would get our pet galah, like a pink cockatoo, put on my shoulder and go back. And he was just leaving the coffee shop area when I was walking in and then we got talking. Eventually, he, my mum, uh, we would take in boarders to help pay the rent and my mum uh, allowed him to come and live at our house for a few years and uh, that's where our friendship uh, really was cemented. I knew there was something different about him. We had very similar similar home backgrounds um, uh, but there was one factor missing from him that was really uh, intimidating me in terms of having a special friendship with him and that was he wasn't serious about Jesus and at that point I was. I really wanted to live for Jesus. I wanted to follow him I was passionate about it. And he was in that sort of, yeah, I know about God, sort of, but he just comes with me on my journey. And uh, I really, so that was a setback. And then um, probably about uh, six, eight months later, he did actually really um, make a strong commitment to Jesus. And, uh, and from then on, we were together pretty much because I was like, okay, that was the last sort of red flag there and, and now that one's gone so uh we we dated for a couple of years and got married i was only 20 when we got married so things get started uh you're married he is uh young in his career uh uh-huh. you are starting your career i believe as an occupational therapist that's and, correct um you're both young and you are learning to live together uh you're learning to live as adults, really, um, what was that experience like? Because I know, I know that today, a lot of people that you know, you tend to get married later in life, so you had that time to sort of figure out yourself as an adult before you go into a marriage relationship. When you get married younger, that's a little bit different. Um, so, what what was that experience like for you? And, and do you have any advice for people who are in their early twenties who are like, you know? Should they wait to get married? Should they not? Like, what, what, what has your experience been? Well, I think once the biggest thing for me was actually knowing that this was God's choice for me. I, you know, I, I, you look back in your life and you can think, well, do I love this person? Well, how do you know you love this person? How do you know that your love, because I believe marriage is forever. You know, obviously there are circumstances. We live in a fallen world. There are circumstances where that, cannot be the case for some people, but that's the ideal. We want to marry this person. I want to grow old with this person. But how do you know that this is the love of your life, that this is this love is going to last you a lifetime? And for me, there has to be that foundation, one, that you both know Jesus, that you're both looking to serve Jesus in your life. That's That's a strong foundational element. Then for me, 
I just needed to really know that this was man was God's choice for me. I could say I love David, but how do I know that love is going to last a lifetime, that this is going to see me through the marriage vows of through sickness, through um, being poor, whatever, in sickness and in health, in, in um, what is it, love and you know, right through to death, but, you know, through good times and bad. I didn't, I mean, as a 20-year-old, how do I know that? So the, uh, what I did, uh, which I really firmly believe, is, um, is reach out and pray, bring God into your story, bring God into your life and say, God, okay, I'm feeling this thing for this guy. I think I love him. Can you let me know if this is your choice for me? And as you pray those prayers, you're looking for God in your story. You might be through a Bible verse. It might be through other people in your family. Just ask, can I have a fleece to know that this is your choice for me? And I, I remember having, I know of two people who came up to me in the ensuing couple of weeks and said, you really love this man, don't you? And to me, I respected those people spiritually. And I took that as an assurance that God had used them in that moment to speak to me that this, to confirm to me that this was God's choice for me. And then I could move forward in saying yes with confidence that God was in this, that this was God's plan. And once you know that that's God's plan for you, then you then you're full steam ahead. Like you're full steam ahead. You'll make it through the good bad. I mean, marriage isn't easy, whichever way you go. And I think it's one reason why God has us in marriages because He actually wants those rough edges to be knocked off us. Which, when you're living with somebody, you've actually got to become more patient, got to become more tolerant. You've got to communicate better. You've got to find each other's strengths. You've got to look over people's weaknesses. You know, there's a lot of I don't know molding to becoming one person. And uh, I I really uh, felt that after that we could do that. But it, it's that assurance that makes you continue through the hard times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've, you've been through those hard times. You've been in the bad times. You've been in the good times. And uh, you've, you've persevered through it. You've been married for how long now? Nearly 47 years. 47 years. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, and then I will say to you, because, you know, you, you, I'm speaking to younger people, it is a beautiful thing to grow old with somebody, mm-hmm. to be loved, to be known, and to love. And I think so many of us can make, on the, when a rough time comes, can say, well, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You miss God's best, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and you hit those hard times. When you hit the hard times, you really uh, you really hit them hard because you, know, you, you talked about it in your summary that, uh, your husband, David, sort of his business collapsed. You had a, a quarter million dollars of debt, which is a lot of money today and was even more money um, yeah. back then, quite a bit more. Uh, and you don't know what the next step is. And your next step uh, ends up being leaving the country that you've grown up in, uh, had six kids in and mm-hmm. take your whole family and mm-hmm. move halfway across the world not to necessarily a better situation but just a different situation because you didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> uh, you're summarizing this pretty well Jeff. <laughs> what at what point do you begin to think you know because I, I i've made an international move I, i'm living in the uk right now i'm from the states um okay. and i i know for me when you, when you first began going, I am going to leave the country with my family. Uh, that's a big, 
jump when you're considering mm-hmm. the next stage of your life. At what point did you realize, hey, I think this is the move we need to make? Uh, and what gave you, because this is, this is a huge leap of faith, because it wasn't like you had stuff all lined up and ready to go. Yeah. What made you I know? I think most, like- people, most people, when they make a move like that, and I don't know about your story, and I love that every single one of us has a story. Um, uh, most people have a bit of a nest egg put aside. You know, this is going to transition us. This, this money's put aside. We're going to use this. Transition us through. We did not have that. We didn't have anything to fall back on, which I think God used. You know, I knew my husband was committed to Christian music. We'd been in Christian music in Australia. He had the opportunity to come and manage a Christian artist here in America. It, we'd, by that point, we'd sold our house to pay debt. We'd sold our car. We, were, we, we really were living very simply in Australia um, in order to pay debt, to continue to live. When those scenarios happen, you've just got to move forward. You've just got to take the next step. And so we leaned in and prayed together as a family where the kids knew what our circumstances were. Uh, we just moved forward and every day got up as a little bit of a new adventure. I mean, at one point we were sleeping, we were had a home um, that had no furniture in it. And I just treated it as like camping, but in a house. You know, it's amazing how simply you can live when the need arises. And I think in those early days, taught us that if we have one God and we have each other, we can do this. We, we pulled the ranks in and relied strongly on each other and on God. And that's when we really saw God provide and God provide miracles. Mm-hmm. So you make this move uh, at some point, and I, I'm not quite sure on the timeline, so you'll have to help me out with this. At some point, uh, Rebecca begins to, to sing and to play music. Mm-hmm. And out of all that is birth Rebecca St. James. Uh, tell me a little bit about that part of the story. Well, I think there's a couple of backstories to her becoming Rebecca St. James. One is when we were in Australia, it was noted by the Christian school. We lived a normal life in Australia, <laughs> kids in Christian schools, you know, the house in the suburbs, everything sort of going on a normal trajectory until uh, we lost all that money. Um, but she was noted uh, by the local Christian school that she was attending that she was gifted in singing and uh, they were using her to record some um, some songs that uh, the music um, teacher had written and then she was also in a rock band and she had the opportunity to support Carmen on a tour in Australia when she was 13 years old. She just sang three songs. And then before we left Australia, David decided that we would record an album of her singing Australian praise and worship music. We were very aware that the music that was coming out of Australia was actually different to music that was coming out of the rest of the world. I think the praise and worship boom really happened initially from Australia. And so we we recorded that. So we did come with a little package. Then when we got to Nashville and got settled into our home, it was fall. Um, The kids were homeschooling. Uh, I couldn't deal with the fact that we'd be separated. So we'd again bunkered down together and then we actually started raking leaves and then that seemed to be a good activity to do to get outside uh, in the fall in America and so then we would get asked by neighbours to go and rake their leaves and so we ended up then meeting neighbours 
And then they understood our scenario. So then we, Rebecca got offered to babysit, then to clean houses. And you just start, you know, living life uh, where you're at. And uh, God used those opportunities for us to really learn how to work together as a family. And that ensued into Rebecca's career. She got signed um, in 1993. We arrived in America in 1991. So those first two years, we were really living by faith. And then in 1993, um, she got signed uh, to Forefront Records with her album, Rebecca's and James, coming out in 1994. And then when it got to touring, uh, by that stage, we had so knitted so closely together as a family that my husband, David, said, well, why don't we just continue to tour together and the kids can help set up, I think he saw free labour, they can help set up the, uh, the lights and the sound and thereupon, God really directed our steps into what was to become our futures, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that we've seen over and over again with, um, with musicians, with actors, is they hit that celebrity. And it being Christian-based or not doesn't really seem to, to matter all the time. Uh, but that fame and celebrity, it, it wears on you. Uh, yep. spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. And we've, we've seen so many musicians and actors completely burn out, you know, yep. destroy their lives. Some of them eventually rebuild. What steps did you take as Rebecca's going on tour, as she's building this fame and this fan base to ensure that, you know, we're going to make sure that something like that doesn't happen? Um. I'm not 100% sure we did that well, to tell you the honest truth. Um, Rebecca started when she was 16. I do know um, the precedents in the Christian music industry that I was aware of were two people. One would have been Amy Grant, starting at a very young age at 16. Another was Evie Tornquist, who um, was a cute little Swedish singer, uh, Norwegian, Norwegian singer. Um, who um, she started at 16. Um, Amy ended up, I think, probably losing some perspective and uh, her marriage broke up. And then we've got Evie, who at 24 um, left Christian music and actually married her husband and just became a wife um, and eventually a mum. And I looked at the two scenarios and I thought, you know what, I never want any of our kids, or particularly at that point, Rebecca, to lose what I deem their souls because of fame, singing, music, whatever, which is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at 24, I said to David, I think we need to go back to her and say, listen, you've done a great job. You know, God's used you. You've really made some remarkable inroads, but we don't want you to get to a point where you resent this, where you resent God, you lose your faith. You're in charge of your own destiny now. What do you want to do? You're an adult now. You make the choices. And at that point, she still had not met anybody, um, you know, that she felt was going to be her husband. Um, she did not know anything else, obviously, other than singing and ministry. And so she came back and she said, I'm, I think I don't know what else I could do, what I should do. I want to keep going with what we're doing. 
after um, an ensuing probably six more years, it was getting super hard for her. She By that point, she'd been in it for 14 years. She was getting tired. Um, I don't know. Being in Christian music, I think music for any woman is hard. It's harder than for a man. Being alone is harder than being in a duet or a band. Um, so she did find that she was getting very tired. But at that point too, she was basically, because my husband had set up a 50-50 deal with her where he was solely managing her, that really in lots of ways if she didn't work, then we didn't get any income either. So there was pressure. It was like a, what do you mm -hmm. call, like a we're balancing on a bar. You know, she works, we all get paid. She doesn't work, well, we all don't get paid. You know, and, and so she felt the responsibility of that. So she thought, well, I'll just keep going until I meet somebody. But she started scaling it back. So her own self-protectiveness started kicking in. I'm, I'm struggling. She decided she'd go into books and into, she wrote, I think, over her career, she wrote 10 books, um, actually 12 books, I think. Uh, she got into movies. She starred in a couple of movies and went into acting. She diversified more. And then uh, when she would have been um, in her early 30s, she actually met her husband and uh, thereupon uh, decided that uh, Rebecca St. James should retire. Um, I'd say at that point she was actually close to burning out, to tell you the honest truth. However, to her credit, and it says a lot about who she is, she never faltered in her belief in who Jesus is and what he had done in her life. She always put ministry first and uh, she could stand openly before God, not being ashamed. Mm -hmm. And I, I credit her with that. Yeah, that's great. I know the, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people have been touched by her ministry. And I think above all, the knowing when to step away. And when to step away. Is, is a big part of that. And, and so many people. Now, part of it with that, though, has to be, and having the freedom to step mm -hmm. away. Sometimes we know something is good, but it's hard to leave it. If you mm -hmm. you know because the unknown, you go to stepping into the unknown, and then you've got that thing of how do I know God's in this? Like, is He leading me out of this? Is this me? Am I going to be going against God if I step away? There's a whole nother, you know, there's a whole nother theological discussion on all that. So yeah, it's not easy whichever way you go. Even when you know you need to step away or you should step away. Is that the right thing for you to do? Mm -hmm. And what are you stepping into? Right, right. So her career ends and new careers begin um, yeah. with King and Country. I know we're kind of running short on time, but I, I want you to talk a little bit about, uh, obviously their careers got started with, with Rebecca. At what point, was it with her retirement that started becoming a thing? I'll, I'll admit I'm not real great with the on, on the years and the timelines of how things went. Yeah. When did their their ministry and their career began to take off? There was a couple of years there, which I call the transition years that were mm -hmm. very hard because David, David's loved working with his family. Um, and so basically he was equal partner with Rebecca. Then Rebecca retires. It was a struggle for the next couple of years, but we actually saw God provide in some pretty miraculous ways there too. We actually got two checks in those transition years I think each of them, and it was crazy to me, one of those questions I'd like to ask John about, 
both of them were for 11 grand from left field, like random checks just coming. One was from an insurance payout back in Australia we knew nothing about. Some insurance agent had gone through his books and found that he owed us 11 grand from a life insurance, sent that. The other was the IRS sending us 11 grand. Now, when does the IRS send anybody any money? You know, like, um, and, and when we got the 11 grand from the IRS, we both just looked at it. We went to our accountant and said, what do we do with this? And she said, oh, that's going to be a mistake. Don't deposit it. And I looked at David and I said, I think this is just a gift from God. We're going to deposit it and we'll face the repercussions afterwards. So, you know, when the Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, I know for a fact that that's true. He can draw in stuff from places we know nothing about. Mm -hmm. And those two checks really helped us during those transition years until the boys really took off. And then David, again, is singly, you know, they're, they're his only artists as we speak. Um, and they're on equal a third, a third, a third. The only difference is now David can get voted out. <laughs> <laughs> and for an older know, man, that was a bit of a that's a bit a bit of a challenge. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's a, it's a whole family. Family family is wonderful. Uh, family also adds a dimension to work that uh, uh -huh. can be a blessing and a challenge all altogether. But isn't so, that the same with everything though? It is everything true, yes. has a blessing and everything has a curse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You, you co-founded a ministry for mothers called Mum Life. That's what you're doing now. Uh, oh. what, what is your purpose in that ministry and what, what was it that led you to that? I've been a full-time mum. I, I call it active mothering for 32 years between the time um, Rebecca was born to the time my youngest daughter graduated from high school. Um, and so I did nothing else other than mother for those years. So I feel like my career is being a mum and I know what being a mum sort of looks like. And so I decided, God actually opened the opportunities for me to start mentoring younger mums. I was asked by some mums in a local church group if I would come in and mentor. And I don't do women's groups. I'm not a real girly girl. And so I was, I wouldn't have done a ministry to women per se, but mums are my heart. Mums are what I know. Family is what I know. Kids and so I thought, you know what, this is probably a great place for me to serve in the church. And then about five years after that, then the opportunity came up to set up an actual um, ministry, and that's Mum Life Community. We've now got a podcast on Access More, um, which is Caleb's podcast division. And so we've got these opportunities. My heart, I know the hand that rocks the cradle holds the world. I know mums are creating the world of tomorrow. And this is the foundation of our society. The health of the family is the foundation of our society. And so I just want to encourage younger mums. The reason why I do the podcast is to encourage younger mums on their journey. The reason why I've written this book is to encourage families and people and uh, to know of God's faithfulness and goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're, you've, you've done that and your perseverance and your faithfulness. Um, throughout all the years of, of ministry that you've done, both behind the scenes and uh, in the limelight. Uh, Helen, thank you again for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. Again, the book is Behind the Lights by Helen Smallbone. It releases today, April 12th. Uh, so go out and wherever you buy your books from, um, get it from there. It's a, it's a wonderful story. It's a great memoir. Life is story. And uh, this is, is a 
this is a this is a life that is um interest even even if you aren't uh big into christian music uh this is still a story that you're going to find uh pretty enthralling and, and it'll, it'll capture you from beginning to end well thank you very much for having me josh <laughs>